Well, we return tonight to Daniel's prophecy, and we pick up in Daniel chapter 10. In fact, I figured tonight we'll just start by reading Daniel chapter 10, and here's what Daniel the prophet records. In the third year of King Cyrus, king of Persia, a message was revealed to Daniel, who was named Belteshazzar. And the message was true and one of great conflict, but he understood the message and had an understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, had been mourning for three entire weeks. I did not eat any tasty food, nor did meat or wine enter my mouth, nor did I use any ointment at all until the entire three weeks were completed. And on the 24th day of the first month, I was by the bank of the great river, that is the Tigris, and I lifted my eyes and looked, and behold, there was a certain man dressed in linen, whose waist was girded with a belt of pure gold of Uphaz. His body also was like beryl, his face had the appearance of lightning, His eyes were like flaming torches, his arms and feet like the gleam of polished bronze, and the sound of his words like the sound of a tumult. Now I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, while the men who were with me did not see the vision. Nevertheless, a great dread fell on them, and and they ran away to hide themselves. So I was left alone, and I saw this great vision. Yet no strength was left in me, for my natural color turned to a deathly pallor, and I retained no strength. But I heard the sound of his words, and as soon as I heard the sound of his words, I fell into a deep sleep on my face, with my face to the ground. Then behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees, And he said to me, O Daniel, man of high esteem, understand the words that I am about to tell you and stand upright, for I have now been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. Then he said to me, Do not be afraid, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart on understanding this and on humbling yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia was withstanding me for twenty-one days. Then behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left there with the kings of Persia. Now I have come to you to give you an understanding of what will happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision pertains to the days yet future. When he had spoken to me according to these words, I turned my face toward the ground and became speechless. And behold, one who resembled a human being was touching my lips. Then I opened my mouth and spoke and said to him who was standing before me, O my Lord, as a result of the vision, anguish has come upon me, and I have retained no strength. For how can such a servant of my Lord talk with such as my Lord? As for me, there remains 
Just now no strength in me, nor has any breath been left in me. Then this, is, then this one with human appearance touched me again and strengthened me. And he said, O man of high esteem, do not be afraid. Peace be with you. Take courage and be courageous. Now as soon as he spoke to me, I received strength and said, My Lord, speak, for you have strengthened me. Then he said, Do you understand why I came to you? But I shall now return to fight against the prince of Persia. So I am going forth, and behold, the prince of Greece is about to come. However, I will tell you what is inscribed in the writing of truth. Yet there is no one who stands firmly with me against these forces except Michael, your prince. We have just been taken into the introductory events that lead to the final three chapters. These introductory events take us into a glorious vision that Daniel had and introduces heavenly powers, heavenly forces that are at work at this time, the time even as Daniel received this vision. This chapter, chapter 10, is an introduction again to the last two chapters that give us understanding He tells us exactly what they pertain to in verse 14. Now I have come to give you an understanding of what will happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision pertains to the days yet future. Daniel is receiving here insight into the events that particularly relate to the people of God, to Israel, and the events to come. This is now the final vision that Daniel is going to receive. He has received up to this point three other separate visions. Chapter 7, the vision of the four beasts we saw. Chapter 8, the vision of the ram and the goat here. Last time we were together, chapter 9, the vision of the 70 weeks. Now here, Daniel's chapters 10, 11, and 12 is the final vision Detailing the final events in the life of Israel. And Daniel receives this marvelous vision. But this first scene here is all preparation. It's all insight into background details. Insight into really the heavenlies of what is taking place. And we see this glorious picture of angelic forces at work and demonic forces at work. Chapter 11, when we get into it next week, the prophecy is comprised of two sections. There is the immediate future uh, future of Israel from Darius leading to Antiochus. And then the later or far future, those final events that are occurring just before the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we'll pick up on that next week. As for this week, it's the setting of the stage. The setting of the stage of this marvelous vision that Daniel has received. Vision in this book which should give hope to Israel. Hope to the prophet. Encouragement for Israel that God has a plan that he is not going to abandon them. A plan that he is going to complete his work. Though there will be a time in which there will be Gentile dominion over Israel, there will be a time in which ultimately that Gentile dominion will end and Christ will return, the Messiah will set up His earthly kingdom, and Israel will be restored. But until that time, Daniel 
can anticipate great suffering and difficulty. He can anticipate what lies ahead for Israel uh, before the coming of the kingdom uh, of the Messiah is a time of great difficulty. In fact, a time of a great tribulation, a time of great suffering, a time of heavy persecution upon Israel, and then the coming of the king. So Daniel gets a sweeping picture of history, immediate as it lived out through again through Antiochus, but ultimately far-reaching to those final events when God completes His marvelous work. Describing particularly in the greatest detail that tribulation period, that final week that uh, we talked about in the 70-week vision, those particular details, you get more here. Recently, I had somebody ask me, are we in the end times right now? I mean, are we, is this it? Are we looking for the Messiah is he, or the, the Antichrist right now? Is he right around the corner? Is he, is he alive at this particular moment? The answer is, we don't know. But I can tell you this, we're not in the end times yet. We're not in that tribulation, that official end times. Certainly, we are in the end times in this sense that Christ has passed. He's coming to return soon, and it could be at any moment. In that sense, yes, in a general broad sense. But in the particular sense of that final seven-year period of time, that has not occurred yet. Why? Because the Antichrist has not yet been revealed. That final Antichrist has not been manifested. We're looking for particular details yet to come. And here in this prophecy, this final prophecy, we're going to see more of these details. But before we even get to those details, we're given one step back and a picture into the heavenlies and to see that the earthly conflict is, at the same time, there is a heavenly conflict. An angelic conflict. In fact, that's what we see in this particular chapter, chapter 10. We see these various angelic forces at work, and we see the conflict among those angelic forces. And we are actually introduced by name to one character, Michael, and then there are at least two other characters. One who stands like the Son of Man hovering above, and another who comes and interacts directly with Daniel. And we're given insight into the background details that are taking place. So that ultimately what we're going to end up seeing, that when it comes time to this final activity of judgment, this final last week in Daniel's prophecy, this last tribulation period of time, when that finally comes, it will not only be an earthly conflict, but it's going to be a heavenly conflict. It's not only going to be a conflict of earthly forces against one another and nations rising up against nations, but it is going to be that of a, of a heavenly conflict where angelic forces are warring against one another. And we just get just the briefest of picture in this particular chapter right here, in chapter 10. Let's just begin to kind of walk through this and unpack it. Notice again, verse 1. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a message was revealed to Daniel who was named Belteshazzar, and the message was true and one of great conflict, but he understood the message and had an understanding of the vision. The final vision here that Daniel has, this is given according, as the text says, according to the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia. 
Cyrus, as we know, came to power in 539 B.C. So this would be about 537, 536 B.C. that this was given. Daniel at this state is 84 years old, roughly, living still for faithfully to the Lord. He has served in many different ways in his capacity, and he is now an older man, faithful prophet of God. And here he is standing and giving this insight. This is two years after the prophecy of the 70-week vision, two years after the events in chapter 9, two years later, this particular vision comes to Daniel. It is, as he says, and back to Daniel chapter 9, that vision was received in the first year of King Darius. This is now the third. At this point in time, Daniel had seen already some of Israel leave Babylon and head back to, or the Persian capital now. They left and they had gone back to Jerusalem. Ezra tells us about that in Ezra chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. And if you continue through the book of Ezra, you would find out that at this time, 42,000 Jews had left and returned back, 42,360 to be exact had left and had returned back to Jerusalem to rebuild. So to some degree, there was an excitement that God was beginning to fulfill what he had promised, the restoration of Israel, and yet to another degree, there was great disappointment because only 42,360 people returned back to Jerusalem. One of these burdens was on Daniel as it started As the text indicates to us, Daniel was at a time of fasting. In this season, he is burdened. He is praying intently. He is looking for God's plan and understanding. He is in a state in which he is, again, described there in verse 2. In those days, I, Daniel, had been mourning for three entire weeks. Again, we don't know exactly why he was mourning, but it is most likely mourning because all of God's people didn't immediately jump on the promise to, re- to return. They didn't immediately get up. It was, there were, by this time, close, close to a million refugees, Israeli refugees there in the, you know, in the Medes and the Persians' capital. And yet only a few thousand had returned back to Jerusalem to rebuild Jerusalem. What would happen to God's people had they all been at that time secularized? Had they at that moment all been converted over to the customs of the Babylonians and now the custom of these new pagan forces and had they left their God entirely? Is this this really the end for Israel? Is Daniel's burden? Is this how it ends? That the people just kind of trickle away and they kind of just abandon God and there's no plan left? Daniel is in great difficulty here. Notice again that in referring to himself in verse 1, he refers to the, to the secular name that he was given, Belteshazzar, and he, he affirms again his Hebrew name, Daniel. And the message that he gives, he says, this is a true message. It's a message of true truth. But notice this, and the message was true and one of great conflict. He is again describing great warfare in this vision. 
The days ahead are not days of peace. The days ahead are not days of prosperity for Israel. The days ahead are days of great conflicts, great war. This word for conflicts is a, uh, an idea has behind it of warfare and, and uh, engagements against army forces. Daniel is writing about this vision, giving clarity to it as to prepare Israel for the great conflict that they are about to face. One commentator puts it like this. Daniel had already learned of the eschatological conflicts in store for his people and of the persecutions at the hand of the little horn of the third kingdom even before the time of the end. But now he was to learn of great angelic conflicts involving Israel and the nations and of seemingly endless struggles between kings of the north and south, which also involve Israel. He's about to learn of great warfare that is going to take place. Notice as he sets up, verse 2 and 3, says that in those days I, Daniel, had been mourning for three entire weeks. And I did not eat any tasty food, nor did meat or wine enter my mouth, nor did I use any ointment at all until the entire three weeks were completed. It was in a time of continual mourning and fasting. It was in this time, again, he was exhausted by this exhausted and and praying, overwhelmed by this burden that he had. And again, he's not giving us particularly what the burden is. We have to kind of discover it. But he was overwhelmed and praying intently, consumed in this, as he says, and had fasted for three entire weeks. 21 days he's been in anguish. 21 days he's been Pursuing God intently. And again, 21 days as an 84-year-old prophet. Not exactly in his uh, physical prime at that point. Sorry if you're older, but that is the case. Not exactly at the greatest of strength, and yet here he is saying, none of those things are important to me. What's most important at this moment is the understanding for God's favor, God's clarity, God's understanding to the events, what is taking place. And again, you would understand this is now a few years, three years into this new ruler had taken over. The Babylonians are done. Israel's not flooding back. And he's wondering what is going on. So he gives himself, as the text goes on, verse 3, I did not eat any tasty food. As I took of no delicacies, I, I didn't eat meat or wine, meaning I didn't eat the common food, I didn't eat anything, any food, tasty food, common wine, I didn't eat of the common foods, I didn't go and use the ointments at all, I didn't go and put on the traditional custom ointments that would be good for my skin, I didn't do any of those things, I was consumed in this prayer and fasting, he says, it's intense. And he's waiting again for an understanding as to what the future would entail for him. He wanted to know exactly what God would have for his people. Burdened by that. 
And it gives us an understanding where he was at in verse 4. It was on the 24th day of the first month, I was by the bank of the great river that is Tigris. So he's in a, he gives us even the physical location of where he was at on this bank. Later he's going to tell us that there are a group of men with him in this process. Could be other friends, others. We don't know exactly who they were, but they, he wasn't alone. And in this, again, he is preoccupied with understanding God's specific plan for his people. This chosen people that God had had, what is going to take place for them? And he had this intense, deep burden and struggle for them and what was going to take place. And ultimately, I do believe that in some sense, Daniel had a bit of fear of what was going to happen with Israel if everyone hadn't quickly jumped on and embraced the return back to Jerusalem. That they might grow comfortable there, they might abandon their God, and all would be lost. So as he adds, in this time when he's on this on the riverbank, verse 5 says, I lifted my eyes and I looked, and behold, there was a certain man dressed in linen whose waist was girded with a belt of pure gold of Euphaz. This is the first vision, vision of an individual that's going to be a prominent individual. He is now here in the sky, hovering above Daniel. This individual floating in the sky above Daniel, he sees a, Daniel sees a clear vision of this one. Again, is a certain man dressed in linen. You see this individual over in chapter 12 and verse 6 and 7. It says, The one who said to the man dressed in linen, who was above the waters of the river. How long will it be until the end of these wonders? So there is this one, like a man dressed in linen, floating above the water over the river there, and an angel turns to, or a, a messenger turns to that one and asks a question, and the question is, how long? And this one, verse 7 says, I heard the man dressed in linen who was above the waters of the river as he raised his right hand and his left towards heaven and swore by him who lives forever that it would be for a time, times and half a time. He gives insight into how long these events would take place. This one in this vision is floating now, back to chapter 10, is floating in the sky above Daniel, and Daniel looks up and sees him. And he sees him and begins to mark out some particular characteristics about this individual. The question is, who in the world is this? Right? Two forces, I believe that there are three Three individuals there besides Daniel. The question is, or there's two. Some say that this is the angel Gabriel standing above the Tigris River. It could be a pre-incarnate appearance of Christ. I would take it as that. But this is a pre-incarnate appearance of Christ. Say, why would I take that? 
Well, we're going to see in a moment because of Daniel's response to this individual. But turn back to chapter 9. Oh, you just turn your eyes over to chapter 9. Probably don't have to turn your page. Look at verse 21 there. 20 and 21, chapter 9. Daniel's in the middle of his prayer. He's confessing for his people. He's uh, casting you know, his supplication. And then verse 21 says that while I was still speaking in prayer, then the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision previously, came to me in my extreme weariness about the time of the evening offering. And he gave me instruction and he talked with me. Now notice here a couple of details. First of all, he knew exactly who this one was because he had seen him previously. He's able to identify Gabriel. And notice in his response here, he engages freely with Gabriel. He does not respond in the same way that he does to this vision here in chapter 10. How does he respond in chapter 10? Well, notice verse 9 of chapter 10. But I heard the sound of his words, and as soon as I heard the sound of his words, I fell into a deep sleep, and notice this, on my face. I don't know about you, but there he is, straight on, passed out, fell forward, face down. Soon as he heard the voice, as soon as he heard the one speak, he was terrified to the point of passing out. No such response in chapter 9 when Gabriel speaks to him. Here in chapter 10 when this one speaks, he speaks with such authority, such might, that Daniel is immediately physically overwhelmed. But there's more here in chapter 10 as to this individual. Who is it? Yes, as Daniel looks above, and this one is floating there in the sky, he is dressed in linen, whose waist was girded with a belt of pure gold. He is, again, his body, and goes on, describes him with his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and his feet like a gleam of polished bronze. And the sound of his words like the sound of a tumult. Swan, who speaks with great authority, he is demonstrated as, again, great glory and honor. One who, again, is floating there and in a presence has a clear, majestic presence that captures Daniel's attention. It could be an angel for sure. All the qualities described that could refer to an angel. But there are, again, as I point out, these distinctions in this individual. The fact that other angels go to them for information, as chapter 12 indicates, that this one has knowledge and understanding and gives instruction. The fact that this one who is in the sky is not doing the work, but he's sending others like Michael and other angel forces to go accomplish the work is demonstration of authority. So it is very likely that this is a pre-incarnate expression of the Lord Jesus Christ. Dressed in linen, symbolizing purity, worn by the priests in the Old Testament, just as Christ was covered in linen. A waist was girded with a belt of pure gold, possibly describing sovereignty and power. His, his body being like beryl, which is a, a, 
this kind of stone that would be yellowish in color, his face appearing like lightning, verse 6, having his brilliance, his eyes like flames of torches, referring uh, also described by Christ in Revelation chapter 1, verses 14, and chapter 19, verse 12. All the description of this glorious picture of this one, you can look to, to Revelation chapter 1 and you see the glorious picture of Christ. One who's demonstrating, again, great honor, authority. But most importantly, and the key for us in this vision here, is Daniel is amazed and stunned at this vision before him. Verse 7 says, I, Daniel, alone saw this vision. While the men who were with me did not see the vision, nevertheless a great dread fell on them, and they ran and hid themselves. Something was taking place before them. The others couldn't see it, almost kind of parallel to Paul's experience when Christ appeared to Paul and called Paul out to himself. No one else saw what had taken place, but Paul saw plainly. Here, Daniel having that same similar event, he is into this vision, seeing exactly this event. Something is happening because even the men around could see it. Verse 8, I alone saw it, this great vision, yet no strength was left in me. How terribly fearful was he? To the point that he lost his natural color and was deathly pale. All the blood drained from his face. He retained, as it says, no strength. He is terrified at the vision that he had seen. Again, not uncommon for Daniel. He had passed out before angels before. But in this particular vision, this was an overwhelming vision for Daniel. As he looked to this glorious figure here and heard this glorious figure speak, and he was overwhelmed by it. Verse 10 picks up. Then, behold, a hand touched me. I think this one from verse 10 and following is a messenger angel. Could have been Gabriel, but it's not mentioned. But some kind of messenger angel who was sent to Daniel to give Daniel instruction. That's what he says. Daniel was on the ground, face down, passed out. This one reaches down and touches him and lifts him up to his knees. And he is there trembling on his hands and knees. And this one says to him, O Daniel, O man of high esteem, understand the words that I am about to tell you. I have a message for you, Daniel. I'm here to deliver it to you. And when he had spoken these words to me, I stood up trembling and he said, don't be afraid, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart on understanding this and on humbling yourself before your gods, your words were heard, and I have come in response to your words. Now you start factoring in, all right, he's been fasting for 21 days. Does it take 21 days to get from heaven all the way to where Daniel is at? What was going on? And this is where he gives us insight, this angelic being, this messenger angel. Verse 13, But the prince of the kingdom of Persia was withstanding me for 21 days. 
wanted to come. I was resisted. I was held back. And this is now for the first time that we are given a glimpse and a picture through the prophet Daniel into the heavenly activities, into heavenly conflicts, into heavenly conflicts that had impact on earthly events. Daniel, for 21 days, fasting and praying, waiting for an answer from God, waiting for understanding and clarity, waiting and anticipating, was forced to suffer for three whole weeks waiting for the answer. I know certainly, if I was fasting for 21 days, I might be a little bit bitter at that point. At the angelic forces. Here he was, this angel messenger, giving an insight into what is taking place, again, begins to lift Daniel's perspective up into higher things. Yeah, there are conflicts, earthly conflicts, earthly struggles, earthly powers taking place, but even while all the earthly powers are at work and things are taking place, there are greater battles taking place, this angelic battle that is hindering events. It describes it, this is the prince of the kingdom of Persia was withstanding me for 21 days. And then, behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left there with the kings of Persia. This great heavenly battle. And finally, we get the name of one of these heavenly beings, that of Michael. Michael, the great angel, the warrior angel, described here in verse 13, also described in verse 21, his forces, uh, is Michael is leading against the forces of evil. It's described also in chapter 12, Michael is referred to. And he is described in chapter in Jude chapter one and verse nine. He's also described in Revelation chapter twelve. Michael, this archangel, this one who has great authority and power, who leads the forces against demonic forces, he is the great angel of strength. And in Daniel chapter 10 here, we refer to this Michael who came, who was able to free up this messenger angel to allow this messenger angel to come and minister to Daniel. The Bible has regularly described the angelic forces and powers at work. And the angelic forces and powers are working to resist or... uh, thwarts the works of God, but also the heavenly angels are there rejoicing in God's sovereign purposes. The heavenly angels are looking into God's purposes and rejoicing in what's being accomplished. In fact, the heavenly angels are rejoicing in God's redemptive plan as it's unfolding. Ephesians describes that for us in Ephesians chapter 2 and chapter 3. Or God has given glory through each who is redeemed, and all the heavenlies will see the glory of God's redemptive work and the saving of sinners. In this case, what we're given insight into is the attempts to thwart and crush the plan of God. And what would 
thwart or crush the plan of God would be the destruction of God's people. It says here, back verse 14, I have come, this messenger angel to Daniel, I have come to give you understanding of what will happen to your people in the latter days for the vision pertains to the days yet future. I'm going to give you an answer, Daniel, but what's going to take place? I'm going to help you see so that this forces, whether the king of the Persia who is opposing, the question would be, who is that individual, the prince of the kingdom of Persia? It's quite possible because of the great authority, the great power, the great ability to restrain for 21 days that this is a description of Satan himself. This great angelic force, this one opposing would be even Satan himself that Michael had to come and fight against to free up this angel to come to Daniel. Verse 15 then goes on and describes, When he had spoken to me according to these words, I turned my face towards the ground and became speechless. And behold, one who resembled a human being was touching my lips and I opened my mouth and I spoke and I said to him who was standing before me oh my lord as a result of the vision and anguish has come upon me and I have retained no strength it's one here again Daniel in this particular vision honestly describing his own limitations is asking for help asking for strength to be ministered to and again this one who Daniel is immediately talking to isn't the Lord himself. It isn't the, the Lord. It isn't Christ. This is someone else. For he recognizes, how can such a servant of my Lord talk with such as my Lord? He recognizes who this is as, a, as an angelic being, a messenger who has come to him to give him understanding, but more than that, to give him strength to help him endure this. And of course, that's exactly what he does. Verses 18 and following, he touches him, he gives him strength. Strength comes back to Daniel. He's encouraged. He is reminded again of receiving strength. Verse 20, then he said, Do you understand why I came to you? But I shall now return to fight against the prince of Persia. So I am going forth, and behold, the prince of Greece is about to come. Meaning, I'm going to give you an explanation, Daniel, of what's going to happen. This is chapter 11 into chapter 12. Then I'm going to get back to the war that I've been involved in. I'm going to get back into the battle. Before I do this, however... Says verse 21, I will tell you what is inscribed in the writing of truth. This is the encouragement. And again, this is all the setup to this marvelous vision in chapter 11. And it is to remind us of this that even as we are living about in our life, even as we are going day to day in all of our responsibilities, we're responding to the Word of God, we're living out in faith, we're walking out uh, the, our lives. There are angelic forces and beings at work. And this is the vision that Daniel got to see into. Angelic forces that are opposed to the work of God, angelic or demonic forces that want to reject the things of God and thwart it. And then there are angelic forces 
angels on God's side protecting God's work. All that's happening behind the scenes. And above it all is this glorious vision that we saw earlier of this one who is standing above it all there controlling or directing or giving insight and accomplishing his purposes. And Daniel is going to give us insight. The question for us is this, that when we see these particular visions and events, the implications for us are what are we putting our hope in, our trust in? What are we looking for? And I love Daniel. Daniel's effect here. Daniel's looking for God to fulfill what he has promised for his people. God, do what you said you were going to do for your people. Protect your people. Restore them. Demonstrate the riches of your grace among them. And there's good reason for that because it is through God's people God has promised to bring the Messiah. And it's through his people that God has promised to set up his kingdom. And it's through his people that God has promised all these good things. So we certainly want God to finish fulfilling his good promises. Even if what should come against it is what we see here in chapter 10 various demonic forces that want to overthrow, want to conquer, want to stop God's work. God has already put in place those mighty forces that are going to carry out exactly what he wants accomplished. And on top of that, what's implied here in verse 21, this inscription in the writing of truth, it has already been described. It's already been written out. It's already been declared what is going to take place. And Daniel gets insight into that. Next week, we'll pick up into that insight. But what I want you to leave with encouragement is this, that whatever is taking place in this, God is powerful, accomplishing his good purpose, declaring what is going to take place, able to strengthen his people. I love that about verses 18 through 20, when Daniel is naturally responding the way all of us would naturally respond with no strength, completely you know, overwhelmed by the magnitude of what is happening here, God is supplying strength through his angelic messengers to Daniel to revive him and prepare him for the difficulty. So they never rested in Daniel's ability, Daniel's strength, Daniel's power. It always rested in the power of God. And then even if demonic forces would come against, there are other than angelic forces God has prepared, whether Michael or other angels, to prepare, both giving knowledge, but also power and strength. And of course, we haven't even seen the mighty one whose words are like a tumult speak yet. That comes in the book of Revelation. And when he opens his mouth, he opens his mouth and his words and his tongue is like a sword, cutting and conquering. That one, that mighty one will come. But he's not yet revealed in this marvelous prophecy. Our confidence then is even though our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against heavenly forces, we are not left in a position of weakness because ultimately God is going to accomplish his good purposes. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father, what an amazing just 
background insight into this marvelous prophecy. When we are taken into a vision of wonders, uh, we are seeing these majestic beings. We give an insight into the heavenly conflicts and we understand those forces of darkness opposed to your work. Forces that we don't regularly see that we would have no insight into if not given perspective from your truth. But in the midst of that, we know that this world is controlled by the prince of the power of the air. And we know that there are forces that are opposed to godliness. And that the prince of the power of the air is working in the sons of disobedience. And there he is hardening the hearts of the wicked. And yet, in the midst of all that, you are accomplishing your good purposes. Sending forth your word, regenerating hearts, drawing people to yourself. And in this season, while this is the season of the Gentiles who are reigning, we are anticipating that time again when you will restore your people, establish your kingdom, establish the glorious throne of the Lord Jesus Christ who will reign over all. So may our hope and confidence rest in you. And as we see this marvelous vision and understand the events, may we acquire the wisdom necessary to guard our hearts, help us think carefully through these days, and to understand exactly what you're accomplishing. So that we wouldn't be fearful and we wouldn't be taken astray. And when we see activity around us that is even supernatural, we are not overwhelmed, not surprised, because we're not naive to what your scripture says. We know exactly what you promise and what you will accomplish. And we are guarded by the truth that it acts for us as armor to strengthen our faith and to cause us to be able to stand firm. And when we are in the midst of time in which we are at the end of our personal strength and we can go on no more, may we turn to you for strength to be refreshed and restored. Thank you again for your word, which comforts us in every season. It's in Christ's blessed name we pray. Amen.